Welcome to Oh Malort, Chicago history you never learned in school. I am joined by Molly McAleer from Trend Lightly and Mother May I Sleep With podcast. Welcome. It's so nice to have you back. I'm so excited to be back. I feel very energized by this. Just even the conversation we were having beforehand, I was like, oh, okay, it's so nice to talk to Alyssa. And I really allowed myself to sleep in today. I've just been having a little bit of a chillin' day, which is really nice because I've gotten to basically wait all day to hear this story. I think you're going to have fun with it. It's, okay. It sprays a lot of fields. But first, listeners, I have an update slash correction from last week's episode on the Eastland disaster. Two direct results of the disaster were stability test for boats and outlawing ballast tanks. So there you have it. I have a correction. Okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, <laughs> honestly. I, I'm sure everyone at home does, too. I'm sure that there's four people that actually knew that. But yes, <laughs> I corrected myself. So, Miles, yeah. I know you are gluten-free, but what are your thoughts about Twinkies? What's so funny is that I had not eaten a Twinkie until I was about really, and I had my first Twinkie, and I, the first time I went to Walmart, I was in Texas with my family. My aunt Sarah had moved to Texas with my cousins, and my aunt Sarah was like, "Molly, get in the car. James, drive her to Walmart. We're getting this Twinkie thing over with." And I had one and I did not care for it. I just wasn't allowed to have things like that growing up. And for some reason, the Hostess cupcakes always looked really good to me. And I'd had one of those and I did those little powdered donuts a lot. But Twinkies just, there's a reason why I got around to them late. After this, I don't think anyone's going to want to have a Twinkie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, aren't they? It's the kind of food that like dogs won't even eat. My dog would never eat McDonald's. I would always offer it to him if I was having a that double che two cheeseburger meal. That's what I really miss. In terms uh, of I think of it often. But yeah, no, I, I aren't they really they're known for being like bad fake food, right? Yes. And we'll get into that in a little more a little bit more detail as the episode goes on. Because there are also some myths about Twinkies that we're gonna dispel, or at least one. Yeah, I just thought after two weeks of looking at really large loss of life events, that the listeners could use a break. And like any hostess snack, I only partially deliver. This script takes some turns. Full disclosure, I worked on this in March and then went back to it starting a couple weeks ago. The way society has changed in even since then, I'm like, oh, I should go look back and look at this. We'll talk about when we get there. Twinkie is like the Twitter of snacks. Everyone knows the unhealthy aspects, yet some people cannot resist. And honestly, I was a little Debbie kid, but my school lunch dessert was dictated by the snack desires of my dad. Um, oh, there were, yeah. Yeah. And there yeah. were also a few years in elementary school where I couldn't have additives, preservatives, or sugar. So... Yeah, that's a huge thing, actually. I feel like so many things I wanted to try growing up just weren't on the table because, like, you commit to buying something and no one wastes food. And so 
if your mom or your dad was like a root beer person, like you just were not going to have Coca-Cola. Like you were a root beer family brought to school if you were allowed to bring a soda to school. And for anyone not familiar, this snack is described as, quote, a golden sponge cake with a creamy filling. End quote. Our story starts in 1930 when Canadian-born baker James Alexander Dewar invented Twinkies for Continental Baking Company in Schiller Park, Illinois. Wait a minute, Alyssa. Do you know that this is like the only fact that I know is that he did he die at 72 years old? I literally there's some I believe like one of the random facts that I've had in my brain since I was a kid was that the inventor of Twinkies died, I believe at it was 72 or 79. I can't remember. And he ate two Twinkies a day till he died. I, I did read that. I read up on him a little bit within the past week. But I don't remember when he died. But he was searching for an alternative application or alternate application for a machine used to make strawberry-filled shortcakes. And this machine went unused during the off-season. He hated seeing this expensive equipment owned by his boss going to waste outside of strawberry season. And here's the thing. I'm not sure if he got I invented Twinkie money, but he did become a regional vice president of Hostess. Yeah, that was a bad time to be a creator. And yeah. in a lot of ways, like you, if you came up with a bajillion dollar idea, like some guy with a little bit of money in town would buy it off you pretty quickly. Yeah. I and mean, I'm going to do an episode later, but the guy who invented the Ferris wheel died broke. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's I don't mean to laugh, but like the way you said that is is brilliant to me. Not just the way you delivered it as if, of course, the man who invented the Ferris wheel should be very wealthy. But well, also it, that is really sad because a Ferris wheel brings people a lot of joy. And it's sad to think of him dying poor. And it's also, yeah, it's a mechanical achievement. Can you imagine your last name is Ferris and someone's like, you related to the inventor and they think you have Ferris wheel money? It's a very painful subject, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Now, back to Dewar. His son was Cleveland Browns halfback, James Dewar Jr. I just found that interesting. The name Twinkie was inspired by a St. Louis billboard for Twinkle Toe Shoes. Okay. That's, I've never, I've always wondered where yes. Twinkie came from. Yes. Twinkle Toe Shoes. I couldn't find the exact billboard, but I'll put some images in the show notes so people can get an idea of what they look like. Are those like dancing shoes? I don't think so. Okay. They could be. I just looked to see what they looked like, and I didn't examine them too closely. I'm sure they were ugly. It was yeah. a lot. Most stuff was back then. The original food stuff was filled with banana cream. Unfortunately, a World War II banana ration demanded <laughs> new discovery, so they switched to vanilla, which proved to be popular. After doing all the COVID shopping for my parents for months, I cannot imagine how batshit crazy the reaction would be if America implemented rations now. No, I can't. I think it would be the like the closest we got to that. I feel like really feeling like potentially. Oh my God, this could be 
World War II. This is like what I read about my American Girl doll books. Okay. Like <laughs> we're gonna be really like a single can of beans to go around for the whole table. But I feel like COVID felt like the beginnings of what that could maybe look like when we were people were stockpiling in their home. And that's maybe the opposite of rationing, but do you see that really cheesy Ted Cruz video where he drank a beer last week? No, I didn't. So some federal agencies coming up with a recommendation that you should only drink two beers a week, which is never going to happen. But it's like the gas stove thing. It came up in a study and now they're like, oh, so he was like, if you want to limit me to two beers, I say kiss my ass. And he, in a really forced way, drank a beer. Yeah, it's also not good for you. That's probably where the (laughs) recommendation comes from. It's we know we know. Yes, like you, every every American should have the right to kill themselves the way they want. But yeah, no, it's I don't think much like pharmaceuticals and so many other things. It's just there's just too much money to be made in terms of banning something like alcohol. It's a bajillion dollar industry. Also, we tried it once. That didn't go great. (laughs) Right. That's a really good point. We've already done that. Yeah. If if they ever started rationing, I would delete Twitter. Just. I got to step away. All right. Back to foodstuffs. In 1988, they introduced a, quote, fruit and cream Twinkie, end quote, which contained some sort of strawberry substance swirled with a cream. Uh, Shockingly, this did not last long on the market. I'll include the ad in the show notes, but it looks gross. I was going to say that sounds good, but is it, I'm picturing those, do you know those Sundays, those pre-packed quote-unquote Sundays where it's this sort of cherry, strawberry-esque, it's red flavored that's mixed in with the vanilla ice cream. That I think is so good and I love the artificialness of it. The strawberries look like a jelly. Oh, okay. Gross. Yeah, it looks, yeah. And from time to time, they would offer limited amounts of the OG banana formula for promotional purposes, most notably in partnership with the movie King Kong in 2005. And wow. that, yeah, that caused Twinkie's sales to rise by 20%. Yeah, banana was such a popular flavor back then. Yeah. When you look at lists of what flavors were available at certain places it's always like walnut almond (laughs) banana it's just like the most we are so advanced on flavors now the fact that they were even able to take the essence of something like a golden cake with funfetti frosting and make a birthday cake ice cream is just crazy to me that they could like reimagine the essence of that and give people exactly what they thought they'd be getting in an ice cream like that or like a cake batter or a cookie butter those are just those are we're on another level with flavors yeah i don't i don't remember i remember 2005 but i don't remember king kong i think that actually no because i would have been i think i do remember that being like a thing but in my mind that's what i would unfortunately call a boy thing I'm like, I yeah. don't want to, that's for boys. I don't want to see. Well, and I don't think I had a TV back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I wouldn't have 
noticed promotions and I'm really good at tuning out things that don't apply to me, like a boy oh, thing. I'm so good at that. Yeah. 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 Like I'll see something and I'll be like, no, I didn't. And then just move on. Yeah. My life. I'll just completely move on. Yeah. You know, in 2007, Hostess made banana a uh, permanent offering. So now we're going to get into the history of the business side of Hostess and Twinkies. Okay. In 1971, the Federal Trade Commission accused them of making false nutritional claims. Okay, that's probably true. The I watched a document, oh, not a documentary, I watched a video. There's, thank God there's not a documentary on Twinkies. It said in the thing, FTC claims tw- Hostess makes, or Twinkies make false claims about bread. And it came out that they had much more sugar. I don't know if they were trying to be bread. They were probably downplaying how chemical yeah. the, the actual cake itself was. Because I'm sure there's very little in there that actually resembles Food. anything that would make up a traditional cake. We'll get a little bit into the ingredients too later. From the 1970s until the 2010s, they had three owners. IT&T, which is a telephone company. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Purina, which makes pet food. food. Yeah. And then Interstate Bakeries. At least we ended on something that made sense. Yes, that feels like a good home (laughs) for Twinkies. For Twinkies. The 1990s introduced diets such as Atkins and South Beach, bringing forth a health revolution. And Hostess's stock dropped 25% in a single day in 1998. That is very interesting, actually, to see it because you would imagine like there'd obviously be a decline, but like things could change like that sort of overnight if it was on the right program that was widely viewed or something. Mm-hmm. If it was reported that people would be like moving away from that, yeah, I because everyone did it was everything was appointment viewing. If you were someone who took in information about anything relating to news or trends or anything that was coming up, you were going to do that as an appointment viewing situation. And that would definitely, I could see, have a much more immediate, massive effect on a stock for a company. Whereas now I feel like unless you're all you do is really look at stocks, you probably would see a downtrend, but not something like that. Usually that's very that's wild. Like when there's a, a significant drop or a significant, I don't know the stock market. I have a financial person, but I do know when there's a significant, bringing back up COVID. Like we saw significant drops around COVID. Yeah. Because well, COVID was impending. But I don't know yeah. how. I think there was like a huge, actually, I think that the stock market was pumping at the beginning of COVID. Am I wrong? I think I might be wrong. I don't know. But for some reason, I think it was doing very well. I think going into COVID. Oh, yeah. No, but there was a huge drop off, I think, at the end of at the end of 2021. It started Mm -hmm. to drop down. Additionally, they had inefficient methods of production and delivery. 
they used what is called the direct to store delivery or DSD, which is where you have a warehouse that you own that loads the Twinkies onto a truck that you own and brings them to the grocery store. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which gobbled up 36% of their revenue. Oh, wow. That's very significant. By 2004, they were $700 billion in debt. What? Yes. But where was like the money? What did they bet against to be in so much debt? I don't understand. I think it's, we'll get to some other things in a little bit, but I think it's just sales were dropping. Their sales were down. Oh, this is after, spoiler alert, they filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, Um, I was going to (laughs) say. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But I think it's just, they had a lot of labor overhead. Um, They they couldn't scale down. They couldn't scale down. They had, the DSD is a big cost. Yeah. But you're Uh, right. No, it's probably difficult for a company like that to, they'd have to basically lay off like 80% of the company. And I'm sure they did, but like they're responding to that sort of like a stock disaster like that. There probably wasn't great systems in place. So they emerge from chapter 11 in 2009, but sales are down 20% year over year. Okay. It's okay. not looking good for Twinkie or yeah, Hostess. Yeah, no, I, it's time to cut your losses. In 2012, they filed their second bankruptcy. So write that down, January 2012. Okay. I'll write it down. I'm going to have you write down a couple things here because okay. I'm building something. Oh my God. Okay. To Thank sum you. things up so far. We have a poorly run company that makes mediocre products. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still struggling to write this down. Sorry, I'm like opening a note. (laughs) I don't have a pad available. I don't know who you think I am. I always have a pad available. Oh, I know. I can picture it right now. I know you're someone who probably has a legal pad out right now, so you don't even realize how absurd to me it feels that you thought I was going to have a pen and paper in hand. But I can pick, I know exactly, trust me, I think I know exactly what's going on. And I like it. It's just not my, it's just not what I do. But I admire actually people who write stuff down on legal pads and believe they'll come back to it. It's funny. I I was diagnosed with ADD when I was a kid and it doesn't bother me. And it was never hyperactive. I asked my mom, I'm like, do you think I really, like this weekend, I'm like, really had ADD and she's yes and then she's like you always wrote lists <laughs> yeah I yeah mean, was... do you go back to them though that's my thing is I'm good at maybe oh don't forget this task or whatever but I do struggle with going back to the lists I make often I have a couple systems in place one I have a list of just books that I want to read I keep it in a, a notebook and I go back to that and do library holds Okay. And mostly now, I don't make as many lists. I have pads around me a lot, notebooks. Yeah. So if I think of something that I want to include when I'm talking, thinking about a a podcast episode, oh, I want to bring this up, or 
oh, I should make a point of talking about this or, oh, that would be a good episode, like things like that. And I do go back to that. And also I watch a lot of videos for my podcast. So I take notes while I'm watching them. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I do that with my phone notes. I think a lot. That's more where I work out of it. And I will, I make weird lists too. I document things. Like if, if I am, I do this in my relationship a lot. Like I know that this is probably a metaphor for some sort of disturbing behavior that there's probably, this is maybe even a saying or something, but for some reason I'm just, if we have an argument or something, I need to write down what day, what time that happened. Because I just feel if I can get ahead of a cycle, then I'm safe. Do you know what I mean? If I'm like, oh, we always fight like on this day, it's probably because we're hungry. Like it's that's just I do good at, I think, helping me establish patterns. See, and I do that in my journal. I also write in a journal every morning. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, It keeps you sane. That was in January. On November 9th of the same year, the members of the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers, and Grain Millers International Union, otherwise known as BCTGM, voted to strike. Okay. Damn. All right. I, I love we've got, this is like alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Like We just have tobacco workers in the middle of like grain millers and bakery workers strange bedfellows sometimes well wait what was the exact strike about we'll get there oh okay okay a week later hostess asked the bankruptcy court for permission to halt production and shutter their facilities days later they entered into mediation with the union and postponed the shuttering by two days alas ultimately the court's authorized the application a little bit about the bctgm this union represented 5600 hostess employees oh okay good for them that's a lot i want to say it's about 30 percent of all hostess employees that's great And Hostess was obviously financially struggling. And they had, through the years, asked their employees to make concessions. One person interviewed in a writer's article was making $10,000 less than he did five years prior. Okay. So they just scaled back. That was like more than like just firing someone. They were scaling back on salaries. The proposed new contract would reduce workers' wages by an additional 8% and slash benefits. Yeah, that's crazy. And were these people, were they able to quit? Were you in a Twinkie contract? I think they were able to quit, but then if you quit, you can't get unemployment. Remember, this is 2012. We're coming out of the Great Recession. Yeah, you're right. I keep picturing something very old-timey, but I'm like, Molly, no, adjust your mind. It's 2012. That was, I was in my 30s. <laughs> they also, being hostesses, they charged a $10 per week per worker to increase the company capital. 
That feels illegal. It feels illegal. And it's also grosser than Grimes' view on the patriarchy. Yeah, I know that it's really that's rough. And it's actually unbelievable to think of them getting away with that as that recently. I know that we're bringing back the sweatshop to certain areas of America now. I know all that is happening, but that sounds like a really. For 2012, that was like so not that long ago. It was like a decade ago. No. Yeah, I know. That seems crazy. It's the whole thing is crazy to me, and I'm building to something. Okay. No, but I love that, like, you're, but I'm just letting you know. We'll get there. I have a plan. Okay. So I am not in a union, but I have profit sharing. And I can tell you, sure as shit, that if the company I worked for asked me to start paying them, I would get another job. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's perfect that we are recording this the day after Labor Day. Yep. I'm researching this on Labor Day, which Labor Day as a national phenomenon is because of the Pullman strikes or riots in Chicago. Do you know anything about the Pullman riots? Don't. I'm going to do a whole episode on it, but bottom line, and anybody listening, I'm being overly simplistic here. He had a company town and he made people who worked for him live in the company town and then started to cut their wages. Yeah, I always wonder what a company town... I know what it is. That's where Google is considered a company town, right? I don't know. I know Elon's starting one. Oh, he is in Texas? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Nothing can go wrong there. <laughs> yeah, no. it's. I'm sure that's going to be a really hellish place to live. I, I already feel like working for him generally it's like one of those experiences where it sounds oh i'm working on this really exciting new company with all this technology and that seems like something that you get into and then you immediately realize oh this is a cult and it looks cool but it's actually not cool and i haven't advanced in skill that much when i'm here Mm -hmm. or I just I couldn't even. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I think jobs fuck you in so many ways. Corporate jobs fuck you. The fact that it costs money to have a job to begin with has always pissed me off in terms of you have to look a certain way. You have to it's a transportation. I'm like, why do I don't why do I have to pay to do this? I don't know. Just I don't know. I'll do it in my pajamas or I'll do it in the outfit I want. But I don't. Why yeah. do deal with capitalism? It kills me. I'm like, we could have just had, we could have had it all, but we decided to go with this plan instead. You start off with a guy who invents a really popular product who probably never got compensated for it because he was so loyal to his boss that he wanted to create a no- new use for this equipment. Yeah. And now we are to employees paying for the honor to work there. So I did some math. Luckily, I'm not good at math, but this is easy. If all 5,600 members of the union were paying $10 a week, that is. Oh, that's a lot of money. $56,000 in revenue a week or 2912000 So now make a note, 2912000 Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I looked into the executive salaries at the time. Okay. And found a Snopes article 
from 2012, November 2012, which cites a Wall Street Journal article written in April of the same year. I know where this is going. In July 2011, the executives increased their salaries as follows. Brian Driscoll, CEO, around 705000 to $2.5 million. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty clear where that's going. I do want to say one thing, though. I know this sounds really bad, but as much as I can look at this number and realize that it's a very significant amount of money when you consider it's being taken from employees, right? right. When you think about the enormous wealth that most CEOs make at a company of that size and like sort of brand establishment, mm-hmm. this is not that much money. No, it's not. I, I thought it would be bigger, but I, what struck me is how close it is to no, the exactly. increase. And then Gary, some, I'm not going to say one Schneider, EVP went from 500,000 to 900,000. John Stewart, not the comedian, went from 400,000 to 700,000. They had these huge increases. Yeah. And part of it is, and I'll include it in the show notes because I went down the rabbit hole on Labor Day and I didn't have time to write a detailed and brief explanation at the same time mm-hmm. on how it all worked out. But they knew they were going into bankruptcy in July. So this was a way to circumvent not being able to give themselves bonuses. Yeah. Okay. 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 Got it. Wow. What dipshits. Yeah. What I find really interesting and we'll figure out, I'll I'll tell you the, the fate of Twinkies. Nobody picked up on this. Nobody picked up on the weakening of the union. Cause let's face it. That was a weak ass union. Yeah. Nobody picked up on these Shady, almost Alex Jones level circumventing bankruptcy stuff. Mm-hmm. We're now well into the social media era. Yeah, we're in the information age, but this is something that I feel probably because I was younger, I would say a lot of the things that I've picked up interest in are very much things that people around my age start to pick up interest in but there's always been like a select set of people that seem obviously there's a ton of people who work in finance but generally speaking i would say that like widespread information about the financial details of a lot of companies were like that either had to be a hobby of yours or there had to be a disaster in order for you to know i also think and i've thought about this and i think it's something that came up after covid one of the good things that came is people just close their eyes to people, employers, I don't think screwed their employees over as blatantly as they have since the great recession, recession, going the gig economy, like what a time to be alive. That was like, honestly, what a cruel thing. I, whenever millennials, I'm that the exact age of millennial that you would be if you like was the worst year to graduate college, um, which is 2006. Oh, yeah. It was It was a really, I really feel that for a generation that gets so much shit, I don't think that previous generations or upcoming generations will ever understand 
how bad that sucks to be in that very tender point of your life. And then for millennials to just get ragged on all the time. <laughs> we did go through something. I don't really know why we are considered these like weak people. Like our world got rocked. Yeah, I do know. And I think part of it is just there was, and this is more of a 20. 2012 even going in 2016 thing it doesn't affect me like yeah like flint water a lot of people in michigan were like it doesn't affect me but it does affect you and what i'm seeing is even it used to be like oh that school over there is doing something it doesn't affect my school district but it's it, it affects your entire society what's interesting because i never really thought about it from the perspective of the housing crisis, for example, I know it must have sucked. I thought, oh, it must obviously it sucks to lose your house. That's awful. Like this mortgage thing is a mess. But it was really only through TikTok and stuff when you would see people just like recount an era of their family that was difficult. It would always be people that were like five to handful of years younger than me. And they would be like, they would have been high school students at the time whose parents lost their home or maybe even middle school students who, whose parents lost their home due to that, that recession. And I just never, I, I guess I never thought of it from that point of view. And I was just like suddenly felt even more like devastated for people who were in that position, like mm -hmm. just that angle of being a child and like seeing what that also does to your parents like no shit people have trauma around that i'm so sure so many people's parents fundamentally changed as a result of that yeah i think it was just a tough time and i think we've come to a point in society where we have it's more empathy towards other people some and people do some people do there's 30 percent on twitter that don't but yeah i think in general i remember watching my dad loves Judge Judy. <laughs> and God damn it. If you sit down and you're like, I'm just going to sit on the couch for 10 minutes, you get sucked into Judge Judy. It is good. Do you think he has a little bit of a crush on her? I don't know. I don't know. He even watches the new show. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, but there was one woman talking about Judge Judy. I won't get into the nuances of the new show versus the old show. She's a scientist. Yeah, I, no, I gotta she, admit, I'm in the dark. That's one of the things I've. She's a out. kinder, gentler Judge Judy. She's but a is post that just because we know she's MAGA now, and so like we, she might be like trying to work that angle. Or do you think? I think post COVID, her shtick doesn't work as well. The old Judge Judy. Yes, like that's get it together. I don't think people would like to see someone not exercise compassion. So she and she's never mind. I'm not going to get into I'm not gonna get into a diatribe on Judge Judy. Anyway, we were watching Judge Judy and whatever some person was working for another person, and it was like a gig economy, and they were talking about compensation, and it was just this moment where my dad's like, that's right. Mm -hmm. I don't think people were particularly the boomers were aware of how, especially if they were lucky enough to have, my mom worked for the same doctors from when I was 12 until she retired eight years ago. Yeah, the, they don't, yeah, the, they were, you stuck, you were a loser if you didn't keep a job for five to seven years. And even then, 
Oh, yeah. I just remember that being stressed to me so much when I was a kid was that the most important thing you could do besides get really good grades, say your prayers every night, volunteer, get really good grades so that you could go to a really good college so that you can make have a really good living and make an, an impact on the world. This is very much how like a life was framed to me when I was a kid. The most important thing you could do to establish yourself as some sort of stable and steady person, someone to be taken seriously, was to get a job and then stay in that job for at least five to seven years. Maybe you can consider getting a raise and going somewhere else. But at a certain point, that seemed made you seem unreliable. And while some people were able to have a second act doing a completely different skill in life, that was still somewhat very rare, almost like a cautionary tale for all the people that tried that and didn't have it happen. So it just, yeah, the, the life was that. Life was very much that. And that's a part, that's their mindset that, yeah, I can imagine that they might be a little blindsided by stuff like this. Yeah. It's an interesting context. Like I remember one time I, I was, I was a victim of the Great Recession. I lost my job in the Great Recession. And I actually yeah. moved back with my parents for a little bit. And even even during COVID, my dad's, you should get a job. It's not good for you not to work. And I'm like, there's a pandemic. Yeah. But there is this whole how you work is you get up, you go to an office. Yeah. You sit there for eight hours and you come home. Yeah. I know. I hate as a, Yeah. As opposed to I had a blog called Adventures in Melissa Land and I would just blog every day. I was collecting unemployment. It was a great recession. What what else am I going to do? But it was like this whole, you get up, you go to an office. Like that's what work is. Yeah. And I hate that because I feel like offices are just, the thing with it is that anytime I've had an office job, I can get everything I need to do done in about an hour. Same. Two hours. I was never good. And I was always fascinated by the people who were good at making it seem like that one hour took place over the course of a whole day. Oh, I was good at I'm that. Like, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at doing one thing every 15 minutes. I'm just good at getting it all done. I'm not good. I'm not good at the you're obligated to be in this office for eight hours. And this is what this is the time you have to fill this and don't do it too fast because you can't fuck off. Don't do it too slow because you're not going to meet your quote. The logistics of being stuck in an office and like how you're supposed to time out, quote unquote, your job has always driven me crazy. Let me just do it in four hours and go. It's no accident that I haven't had an office job since 2010. Mm -hmm. I have a job that keeps me engaged. I have, I know what I'm doing, but back to hostess. According to Reuters, with 18,500 workers, Hostess has 12 different unions, including the BCTGM, which has about 5,600 members on the bread and snack item production lines, and the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, which represents about 7,500 root sales representatives, drivers, and employees. What I'm trying to get at here is the actions taken by the BCTGM 
impacted a lot of other workers, leaving like the Teamsters in particular conflicted because they didn't want them to cave, but they also didn't want all these other 18,000 employees to lose their jobs. Yeah, of course. Yeah. My God. Yeah, it echoes a lot of what's going on with the strikes here in LA right now, too, with the writers. Let's, I guess it's nationwide. Anyone who falls into the categories of WGA or SAG-AFTRA, it's, it's just reminiscent of that. Like, so many people, there's a guilt when you have to strike because you're, you're taking other people out of jobs, too. First of all, the SAG-AFTRA and the WGA is why I went back and revisited this labor part. I didn't even care about this part when I wrote the script in March. And the next sentence I actually wrote was, like navigating Trump indictments or the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strike, this is complicated. Yeah, it is complicated. Like, I'm starting to, I don't know, I'm just starting to worry. Like, it's been... You know, we're well over 100 days now. It's just, I'm starting to worry. They don't seem to be budging, but it's interesting because seeing something like A24 agreed to the strikes terms, for example. So they are, Sophie Coppola is allowed to be out there actively promoting Priscilla, for example. And I think that once studios start to see that less and the impacts of less and less of their properties that they've invested all this money into basically being promoted in any way right I, yeah i can barbie, see that barbie was a juggernaut uh-huh. without they did do their promotion but even if they hadn't like they had ben shapiro promoting for them yeah well barbie promotion was actually something that i have not seen in a very long time and i think that's that's how they used to do like almost all big movies but to the way that they really did a worldwide press tour was something that i haven't seen in a long time but no you're right there was this barbie had was coming to a rolling boil over the course of it felt like two years almost like it was almost like something that the fans were talking about, it felt like, nearly every day for probably a year and a half. Right. Yeah. It was really anticipated. I don't see a lot of movies. Yeah. I think the last movie I saw in the theater was the Veronica Mars movie. Yeah. I saw Barbie. You saw Barbie? Did you? I haven't gotten to see it yet. Do you like it? I cried. I loved it. I lo- I was supposed to go back and see it again with a friend, but I screwed up the time. And we just went drinking. Yeah. But it was one of those, we were supposed to meet at 4.45, but I entered it in my maps to figure out what time I needed to leave as Demeter at 5.45. So I didn't leave my house until 10 minutes after the movie started. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's good for you, girl. But yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. I played with Barbies. Yeah. It was nostalgia. I remember Ben Shapiro got really mad. Because Barbie was just an accessory. I like t- I tweeted, texted you this, and my mom's mom's Ken is an accessory. Half the time, Ken's lucky if he has pants on. Hmm. Like how so little Ken was like a human accessory for her. He was it... a human accessory, and when you played yeah. with him, like I played a lot of Barbies with my niece during COVID. Ken set, spent most of his time on the toilet in the Barbie dream house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Kens were just boring. They were just boring. And you'd have one Ken for every, like, 20 Barbies. Right. And if you gave a little girl the choice between a Ken and a new outfit, 
They're taking the new outfit for Barbie. Oh, every time. Yeah. Every time. I don't even know how we ended up with, I know how we ended up with Ken dolls, but was there just some, some point time someone was like, you got to have a Ken doll to, to like a little girl. Like I got to get, I don't know where, like why any I little girl would want to buy like, commercials that would be like Barbie's wedding. And like, you would just like, I think like the idea of dating, you know, was just, it was very, I don't know. Like I, I explored it through a nineties lens or like an eighties lens, late eighties lens where there just seemed to be this sort of, oh, like Kermit and Piggy got married and Barbie's getting married. There was just a lot of heteronormative. <laughs> Barbie never got married. The the person who created Barbie never wanted Barbie to get married to Ken. Those are photo shoots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where she's modeling wedding dresses? Huh? Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. She's beautiful, so. Yeah, yeah. So I highly, I guess it's going to be streaming very soon. I went and saw it in the theater. I loved it. I want to see it again because I'm imagining that I missed uh, a lot of the sarcasm and the humor of it the first time. Yeah, I feel like it's probably such a visual feast that I've heard two, I've heard, heard two ways, right? I've heard some people, they pick up on diff different nuances of the plot and maybe subtle things the second time. I've also heard seldom, but it's usually more my friends who are like more in tune with marginalized communities or part of marginalized communities being like, I don't know, the second time I thought this was like heavy handed or weird. I've heard mixed results, but I'm sure that there's a lot of stuff because of the visual feast that it is that you miss just while you're yeah. taking everything in. Yeah, the visual feast and and the emotion of it because there's i picked up on one thing that was subtle was when it's barbie land uh -huh. radio is playing indigo girls closer to fine uh -huh. when it turns to whatever ken turns it into the radio just switches to matchbox 20 push you around yeah and it's just listen i have a background in dramaturgy dramatic criticism so i notice things like that but i'm like what else didn't i notice yeah yeah, I've heard that the movie's full of just subtle little things like that where, yeah, and that's really thoughtful. That's like when you know you have, you're dealing with like a thoughtfully made film and what makes it something that's like a classic or something you can rewatch a million times. Like, I always, yeah, it was, and by the way, maybe I'm just not frequent enough going at like cinema. Part of the reason why I moved to Glendale in the first place is because there was like three movie theaters that were like within a half a mile of my house and so I was like fuck yeah like I would just <laughs> like go see movies all the time and I just was like at that era in my life I just was like oh I just want to go sit in the air conditioning and enjoy some movies probably be like a $30 day or something but I'm gonna go enjoy myself and then yeah when COVID happened I think that I stopped really anticipating releases because I just find it going to a theater feels like ceremonial and fun, but going to straight to streaming, especially I was so alone during so much of it. So you're not going to, I don't know. I hate renting a movie by myself. That's something I want to do with someone else. And I dipped out on movies, generally speaking, because I didn't really get to, see, I didn't really get to see them. And then something with Barbie coming back, it felt, yeah, again, things were being re reinvigorated, but 
I'm a loser, Alyssa. I'll be the first to say it. I look at a situation like that now and at the age I'm at, I, my life has really changed. I look at that now and I'm like, that's COVID. I'm going to get COVID in there. I also saw it at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday. Yeah, that was the thing I was (laughs) considering doing. I was like, I'm going to wait out the craziness and then I'm probably just going to see like a morning matinee type thing. Get the 11 a.m. spot. Exactly. That's my Um, favorite time to go see a movie. First of all, it's cheaper and I'm Dutch. Second of all, there's something that everyone else is at work in their office and I'm seeing him. No, it's like sinful. That's like the best part of when you're writing and you're writing something with a purpose, if you've been hired to write it or whatever, if you're off on script, if you're in a room or if you're like working on a pilot, like you can go see a movie in the middle of the day. That's actually considered part of the job. Yeah, creative. You know, and it's I got to go. Yeah, sorry. Just because it does. It does reinvigorate you. It's like one of those things that if you're a football player, you can eat, drink three milkshakes every night because you're doing that. Like when you're a writer, like you can go see a movie in the middle of the day. Um, but yeah, yeah, I did miss out on Barbie, but I still could have time. I feel like that's going to be something that they run. Oh, yeah. October in the theaters, as long as people are paying. You know what else people missed out on? What? In 2012? What? Twinkies. Okay. Sorry. Back to the Twinkies. I forgot why we were here. (laughs) Yes. No, it was a good conversation. I love, I love the digressions. Just got to. Reel it back in, or we'll be. This will be a three-hour podcast, and this is not a mother may I sleep with pod. It's not a long boy. But wait, in March 2013, news broke that they would return in May because Apollo Global Management and Metropolis, Metropolis, Metropolis. No, it's M. It's 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 Greek. Oh, okay. And company. Purchased the assets for $410 million. Wow. Now, they didn't buy the company. They bought the assets. So they just bought, like, the Twinkie IP, basically? Yeah, they were free from any of the existing contracts that they had. Okay, so all the chucking stuff and stuff is all cut out. Exactly. They switched to direct, direct to warehouse delivery, or DWD. Okay. Which also offered them end caps at pharmacies and dollar stores. Exactly right. Those are the end caps are like huge. That's what they talk about on Shark Tank a lot. Right. And they like Lori in particular really like loves getting in certain areas of the store. And they couldn't do that before because they were the DSD. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis. So I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere. You know, the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. 
They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples. And so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The other shipping. So, oh, so that's interesting. That's how that's decided is are you making this easier for us with shipping? Also, because they're driving there. If you're driving your Twinkie truck to deliver Twinkies, you're going to go to the grocery stores. You're not going to go to, you're not going to spend all day at all the pharmacies. Yeah. And all yeah. the dollar stores. No, yeah. you're going to put it in your parlance. You're going to the Vaughn's and the Ralph's. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, damn. That's what you learn something new. I do love grocery stores, by the way. This is like also a, a thing with me. So I'm very honored to be here to do this one. I'm happy you're here. As a side note, Dean Metro something Greek. It's M-E-T-R-O. So that's Metro. P-O-U-L-O-S. Polis? Pulis? P-O-U-L-I-S? P-O-U-L-O-S. Oh, low. So I Polos? don't know, man. I All right. Know. And anyway. Sorry to the Greek community listening to this. Yeah. He is credited for rescuing nostalgia brands, including... PBR. Okay. Yeah. So he, that makes sense, actually. That is a, you're right. That is a big, that's a big industry is nostalgia stuff like that. Like getting, owning IP. Like you'll see, yes, exactly. Like how you'll see certain vintage things pop up again and become more like iconography than mm -hmm. actually being the product itself. Like you'll see that with vintage candies and stuff. Mm -hmm. So he brought back, Perhaps. Now, the following July of 2013, the cruelty concluded and people could stuff their faces with cream-filled golden cakes quicker than Elon fires off tweets. <laughs> so, yeah, Twinkie, so, <laughs> Twinkies are, like, on the rise. They're very, they're widely available. Yeah, I do, I do have a judgment, though, with that a little bit. Like... At a certain age, unless you have kids, like, how would you get a, why do you have a Twinkie in your house? What the hell is it's, going on? Yeah, I can't understand it. I don't think a lot of people are eat, will get there. At that time, Twinkie's size went from 42.5 grams to 38.5 grams, 
while increasing the shelf life from 26 days to initially 45 days, and they got it up to 60 days so that it could sit in a warehouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm looking for a Viagra joke on time and grams, but I couldn't find one. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd have to think about the concept of it a little bit more before <laughs> I come out, but we'll figure it out. As I mentioned, shelf life was one of the reasons they went to DSD. I find the shelf like that curious because I don't know if you know this, but there's an abiding assumption that Twinkies are the only food that will remain fresh even after Elon finally delivers a self-driving car. No, I know. That's what I was thinking to myself is like I, I was mentioning at the beginning is that like I was under the impression that Twinkies and like Big Macs have that thing in common where it's like. You can just put them on a shelf for 20 years and they're going to look the same. There's so many people who have done that, who have like their old Big Mac and it doesn't even particularly smell. And it hasn't even, if anything, like the aging isn't like the, it's just like the weathering from like existing, but like the food itself doesn't really age. So I was under the impression that Twinkies were basically the other thing like that. Wasn't there always a thing that's, that would say Twinkies would survive like a nuclear holocaust or something? Yes, there's a huge, it's a huge urban legend that they have a long shelf life. I actually explored this. And according to Snopes, Twinkies spoil less quickly than other baked goods due to lack of dairy. That makes sense. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly right. Because, it, it, uh-huh. but when yeah. I hear, Cream, that's inseparable from dairy. So for for, for fun, I looked at the ingredients, and I'm just going to quote Don Lemon on this. Google it. Okay. It's way too much. If I listed, like, this podcast would be 100 years long. I feel like there must be something in there that has to be, like, I almost would wonder, are Twinkies vegan? It has to be like maybe some sort of tapioca or something. It has to be some sort of a neutral thing. I'm feeling it's probably mostly corn. It's not vegan because, hold on. This article on Snubs goes on to say, after the baking process of the sponge cake portion is completed, cream filling is injected into each Twinkie through three holes on its top brown side. The product is then flipped before packaging, turning its bottom into its top. Hostess estimates it uses 8 million pounds of sugar, 7 million pounds of flour, and 1 million eggs produce to produce the 500 million Twinkies baked every year. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. So on that note, do you want to take a brief pause? Yeah, this kind of makes me want to, like, vom a little. Like, it's so gross. I'm also looking at the ingredients. This is, like, gross. That's Um, why I just said Google it. In an All Things Considered episode titled, quote, A Disturbing Twinkie That Has, So Far, Defied Science, end quote. Near the end of 2020, snackless and bored, a lad named Colin Hurrington busted out a box he bought in 2012. 
Okay. Okay. He, he took one bite and nearly wretched. It was bad. It was bad. From all things considered, that's when he examined the other Twinkies. Two looked weird. One had a dark-colored blemish the size of a quarter. The no. other Twinkie. The other Twinkie was completely transformed. It was gray, shrunken, and wrinkly, like a dried morel mushroom. Oh. Oh, that's so concerned. Okay, I'm so... You know what? Honestly, I have to be real with you. My stomach was aching practically before we started this. I was so hungry. And I'm that pain <laughs> is sl- steadily lessening in my, <laughs> as I listen to this. So th- I will say thank you to that Twinkie for this. Um, glad to be of help yeah thank you we're gonna get through it (laughs) he posted this on social media and two scientists asked to study the twinkies and he obliged i will include all of this in the show links okay show notes in 2016 the chicago tribune announced quote almost four years after seeking bankruptcy protection Under a barrage of labor issues and rapidly changing appetites, the maker of Twinkies and Ding Dongs will take the stage once again as a publicly traded company. That was the announcement after they found that? No, this is just, I'm letting you know, but we just went on a side about Twinkies expiring. Now I'm going back to Twinkies business. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. I was getting excited to find out what the test results said. Oh, I don't know. It was too gross for me to really... Okay. okay. I have a pretty strong gag reflex. Yeah. Twinkies out of bankruptcy 2016. They're going public. The company was eventually sold for $2.3 billion. Okay, good. That's good Twinkie money. They prop they turned a profit. They turned a profit. As of August 25th, 2023, Hostess Brands Inc is considering selling after becoming an acquisition target, which caused the stock to rise. This is last week. Yeah. That's crazy. So Twinkies are doing well now. Because well, they help more from a vintage POV, though, right? It's almost like the branding of Twinkie is worth more than the product. The branding of Twinkie is way worth more than the product. In fact, the writer says... By the end of 2020, Hostess had revamped its portfolio and was generating revenue of over $1 billion, an important landmark in its turnaround efforts. It has managed to keep its revenue growing, sometimes by raising prices as sales volumes weakened. They put that in writing. If Twinkies aren't doing well, they're going to add 50 cents to cover for the slower sales. Yes. I'm in so we have I would say Mexican snack cakes are the thing here. Yeah, you'll find you can find hostess and stuff if you like go, go to a gas station or if you like go to the market. But for the most part, the snack cakes I see around are typically Mexican ones. Which are probably better. No, they are better. Yeah, but they are better because I've had them. I wrote the script prior to this news but it makes the elon and tesla jokes more relevant 
inflated prices for a semi-popular product increases its market share. Yeah, damn. Capitalism. It real that is really, yeah. But also look at this, right? With the Twinkie thing, it's not. I feel like Twinkie fans, people who are like actively seeking out Twinkies, are probably going to be like men that work long jobs, construction, and go to work with a lot of snacks. And this is something they've been eating for a long time. I don't envision a future of Twinkie growth. No. But I do think that between just Twink being used as slang in the queer community. Oh, wait. Wait. Yeah. Wait, we get there. Oh, okay. Um, there's even more capitalism happening here in 2020. Post introduced Twinkie cereal. Yes, I remember that. This product has 2.9 stars out of five on Amazon. Okay. I looked up the product reviews. One one star review is entitled, If Corduroy Had a Flavor. <laughs> If you like the taste of fur on your tongue, then this cereal is for you. I don't understand how they designed a cereal that tastes wet and dry at the same time. It seriously tastes fuzzy. Maybe it's me or my tongue was designed wrong. I don't know. The concept was great, but the execution was flawed. Pros taste like Twinkie. Cons, the roof of your mouth will suffer and all the other things I said. Purchase at your own risk. Yeah, I can only imagine that because I do remember some of my takeaways from the first time I had a Twinkie were, one, this cake tastes a little lemony. Two, I found the texture to be disappointing because it, it doesn't, the picture makes it look one way and then it, it does have that, yeah, it tastes like, the exterior, the cake thing, it tastes like a slight layer of a film of fuzz or something. Right. You think you're getting a strawberry shortcake kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it's not. No. I did, I did find someone who gave it five stars. Okay. The title is, Ate a Whole Box in One Day. Oh, God. That makes me want to vomit, like, right away. <laughs> I know. The finest cereal ever produced. It's Twinkies for breakfast. So is it just a ton of little tiny Twinkies? That's what I imagine. Yeah, it looks like a ton of little tiny Twinkies. Because I think they did that with like those mini cupcakes and stuff too, right? They like had a series of very And I know they had Oreo, Oreo cereal too, which is also, I was not allowed to have sugar cereals, so none of this. But yeah, now, they had Oreo cereal, like Reese's has cereal, like a lot of this is just one of those things. I was allowed to have Lucky Charms on Thanksgiving or so not on Thanksgiving. Jesus Christ, Molly, on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the hell, what just what remix just happened in my brain. But that's concerning. I actually knew what you meant. I'm like, she means that Irish holiday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, that's funny coming from you from Chicago. Like the, like things isn't 
I'm like, why do I keep calling you? Isn't St. Patrick's Day like you were one of your bread and butter weeks as a tour guide? It's a tough day. It's a tough day to work. We start our day with a booze cruise. Always. It's the drunkest place in the world at the time. Yeah. And I got a one-star review on socials because I wasn't wearing green. Oh, you know what? Fuck that. Yeah. I was like, and they're like, she didn't really seem to be celebrating the holidays. I was working. That's the thing. It's, yeah, I don't know. People, I don't want to do offices. I don't want to do this. But the general public is just so brutal. And even just the fact that you're doing these booze cruises or whatever, there's so much red tape and liability. I would just shut the fuck up and drink my beer. I really would not be... Like, it's a li- it's a huge liability to think about bringing a ton of people out onto a boat in the middle of the water that are, like, actively drinking. Oh, people have no idea. It's just, yeah, it's just, I could do a whole thing about it, but we're not here for that. Because also, I want to tell you that they tried to cash in on crypto with dollar sign T-W-I-N-K coin. Right. From here on out, I will call Twink coin. Yeah. And yes, the internet made those jokes. From a I dis- would assume that's why they did it. No. From, maybe, but from a script article, it says, the title is, Yes, Hostess really made a crypto-themed Twinkies called Twinkcoin. And they say, snack blogs and food publications recently lit up with reports of Twinkcoin snack cakes. But why would Hostess create a crypto-inspired version of the 92-year-old American icon? And didn't they realize Twink has a very specific meaning in today's vernacular? They have to. Because there was people who put out, like, Titcoin and, like, stuff like that. Like, it was just easy to mint crypto. And I think a lot of it was that people liked the weird names. Well, but this is just a crypto-shaped Twinkie. What do you mean by that? It's a Twinkie that's round. It's a piece of blockchain, right? No. Oh, it's oh, it's like a coin-shaped Twinkie? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you were saying like they were trading crypto. No, on, they on the live market. Okay. They tried sorry. to cash in on crypto with okay. promotions. And in fact, a representative told Descript, we saw an opportunity to release a new take on fan favorite hostess Twinkies to create the best investments consumers can make to satisfy their snacking needs. M- with more than 12,000 cryptocurrencies already in existence, Twinkcoin is the first coin-shaped golden sponge cake of its kind and what's more it's a currency with a stable value it's always delicious okay that's funny there's a yeah there's a few things that are funny there in a way it's this is you're never going to tell someone about twinkies for the first time it's like with the m&ms like how they do those stenty things oh they're genderless now or whatever and they'll be like just kidding it's just always like this weird self-created drama because it's like you're never going to tell someone about Twinkies for the first time. The best thing you can do is successfully remind them of Twinkies. That's true. That's true. And get them back in a Twinkie routine. It's just crypto, man. 
but that's the thing. If you can get it back on someone's radar, though, it is yeah. it is good because those foods are quite literally addictive. Like you can go from having a customer who once was a customer and grew out of it, get them back on the Twinkies, and they'll be another customer for another three or four years before they get their shit together. And it is, according to Time Magazine, the most iconic junk food of all time. Really? Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense in some ways. And also we, like Twinkie is, there is something special to like the word and also it just draws something up right away. Like it makes a lot of sense to be able to use that. It's, it is, I think, it's something that you, if you say Twinkie, everyone knows what it means for better or worse. Yeah. And like Tesla, they are a potent pop culture reference. So there's a lot of ways it shows up in pop, pop culture. Mm-hmm. One of which is the Twinkie defense. Yeah. Are you aware of this? I've I've heard of it and I believe I definitely knew of it at one point, but I would like to hear it again. So the genesis is from the trial of Dan White, who killed Harvey Milk, the first openly gay man to be elected into public office in California. Yeah. And San Francisco Mayor George Moscone. Yeah, very sad case. Yes. His lawyer argued diminished capacity due to depression, evidenced by transforming from a health nut to someone consuming crap, such as Twinkies and Coca-Cola. The lawyer argued that it was a symptom and not a cause, but the media ran with the Twinkie defense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. It is interesting, though, because, yeah, it it does. It has a thing of McDonald's, right? A little bit where it's like, again, yeah, for better or worse, you know what it means, right? It's so reflective of a lifestyle, but also for a lot of people that can be managed. Like, you can can go and have McDonald's and like, but it is, it feels super size me a little bit. Like one of those things where it's just, yeah, it it really can take a toll on the human body that can obviously affects the mind. And also if you're someone who's depressed or you're, you're like, you're someone who's healthy and I eat healthy pretty much most of the time. So if my coworkers see me with, we have a Giardelli's right by the office. Sure. Right by, and like I'll maybe once a year, because it makes me feel sick to my stomach because I don't eat sugar. I'll go get a chocolate milkshake. That's nice. And they'll be like, you, this isn't like you normally eat healthy. Yeah. So if that's, but he was pointing to, it was the symptom and not the cause. Like the, it wasn't the food that made him kill Harvey Milk and the mayor of San Francisco, but it was a cause. But, and this is according to a 2003 article in the San Francisco Gate. I don't think Twinkies were ever mentioned in testimony, said Chief Defense Attorney Douglas Schmidt, who recalls, quote, ho-hos and ding-dongs, end quote, but no Twinkies. In fact, the cream-filled confections were mentioned, but only in passing. Junk food was an insignificant part of the defense. The matter was raised briefly in testimony by Marin psychologist Martin Blinder, one of the five defense therapists. Today, the entire episode is characterized by Schmidt as a throwaway witness with a throwaway line. 
Yeah, wow. There's a lot of that in movies and stuff, right? There's a lot of famous movie lines that people say all the time that actually was never in the movie, but for some reason, society has decided, for some reason, our collective memory, almost like a Mandela effect, says otherwise. That's key to where we're going to end this episode, so keep that in mind. Okay. The jury found White guilty of the lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter. So... Outrage ensued. I'm not going to get too into it. A lot of other podcasts cover this. There were riots and politicians, instead of dealing with this being homophobia, yeah, they latched on to the idea of diminished capacity yes. as a defense. And it was a big thing. And in fact, I included a Business Insider video in the show notes. Which was helpful. But I want to point out, when they address this trial, they don't even mention Harvey Milk. Really? Real, they talk about it as the mayor, the shooting of the mayor of, who was just not the, tar, not the intended target. Yeah. So, so, like, big focus. Okay, wow. All right. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. In the United States v. Gonzalez Lopez, a case about having paid counsel of one's choosing, Antonin Scalia said, and I quote, I don't want a competent lawyer. I want a lawyer who's going to get me off. I want a lawyer who will invent the Twinkie defense. I would not consider the Twinkie defense an invention of a competent lawyer, but I want a lawyer who's going to win for me. I agree with that. I, but I also agree that a lawyer who's going to win is a competent lawyer, which brings me to a note that I just had called Norm Pattis. It was Alex Jones's attorney in the Connecticut case, which was a over a yes. dollar is he loss. The one who like leaked all the texts. No, that was, he was involved in it, but he's not the one who directly did it. Norm Pattis has the ponytail. He fell asleep during the case in Connecticut. Oh, yeah. He was also the attorney of Joe Biggs, who was a proud boy, who was just sentenced to a lot of years in jail. Big day for proud boys today. And Big day. Mario getting brought yes. down. I just read a reporter, the thread was so long that I couldn't even make heads of tails or where it really started. But oh, I should have just done that on roll app thing. But she was like, I think maybe in the courtroom and live updating what was going on. And was it Courtney somebody? Maybe. There's a couple of Twitter accounts that I follow who've been following these cases. But yeah, there was one lady who I learned about today. Yeah, and I mostly just, I think, like, the thing I was mostly reading through was his family's appeals to the judge and even his appeal to the judge before sentencing. The judge is a Trump appointee. Yeah, that's strange. And I was thinking, wasn't this guy, I thought he was going to get a lighter sentence because he had agreed to work with the feds. I don't know. I just, I stopped paying attention. He was video recording, making a documentary of when he went to go meet with i want to say it was Stuart rhodes of the oath keepers yeah i saw that he had put out some dumb stuff like he had also put on a patriot network or whatever that was called 
that he was at the White House with Marjorie Taylor Greene yeah. days before she was even oh. early in, in December. I'm thinking we could talk about this forever, so I'm going to keep us on task. Okay. Scalia is just the STD that keeps on giving. Mm. In his defense, he wrote the opinion for the majority, siding with the liberals. The dissent was Alito, Roberts, Kennedy, and Thomas. That's for anybody who follows their Supreme Court justices. Mm -hmm. The San Francisco gate goes on to say, America loves labels, said Dr. Alan Dundas, UC Berkeley professor of anthropology and folklore. He compares our belief in the Twinkie defense to the conviction that George Washington cut down the cherry tree. He didn't. Folklore trumps history. He it's goes on. To, I, it's he's true. Right. He's yeah. absolutely right. He says, I don't care if Twinkie defense has any validity or not. People think it was a factor and thinking makes it. Yeah. And it's we're true. Spoiler alert. We're going to end on that note, but I'm going to have a few more things. Put a pin in it. Speaking of SCOTUS, let's talk about theology. In 1998, Jeffrey R. Holland, a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints, introduced the idea of theological Twinkie, saying, quote, are we really nurturing our youth and our new members in a way that will sustain them when the stresses of life appear? Or are we giving them a kind of theological Twinkie, spiritually empty calories? I know I don't. I know that I don't necessarily align with the church's beliefs, but I will say I do appreciate a metaphor like that. Oh, it's good. It's good. Theological Twinkie. So, speaking of empty calories, mm -hmm. we have the Twinkie slash convenience store diet. Okay. Mark Hobb, a professor of human nutrition at Kansas State University, eager to establish calorie counting is crucial for weight loss. So for 10 weeks, he limited his, his calories to uh, 1,800 a day. Okay. But instead of meals, he ate sugary snacks. Uh -huh. He chomped on Doritos and sweetened cereals and Twinkies. By the end of two months, I'm going to say, I'm going to add allegedly here, and I'll talk about it in a minute. His cholesterol dropped from 214 to 185. His body fat dropped from 33.4 to 24.9. He didn't increase exercise. I am dubious about all of this i'm including it so i work out four to five times a week one of which is always with a personal trainer and at one point in time i was having a lot of meal supplements because they make these really good i wouldn't not really good but they're protein cookies yeah and my body fat rose just from having the protein cookies really yeah that's, I don't listen. I don't. I believe on. I believe him on paper. I wonder how long that would go long term. How much that would work long term. Also, it sounds like if that was like the sort of weight loss he experienced just by calorie restriction, 
did the man happen to be extremely obese? 33. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to think. Like 33.4. It, yeah, it might be because that's not. Because I don't, like, yeah, like anytime you're eating like. Anytime like you're eating that badly, I always ask someone, I'm like, what's your starting point when people start to be like, oh, I lost all this weight. And I'm like, what was your diet before? And it's, yeah, if you were eating like that, of course, like you haven't discovered a miracle, like a modern miracle year. Like you've just start, like you just direct your food in a different way. That's, that's, and, and honestly, in terms of like long-term health, I would be more interested in that than does calorie restriction work, even if you're eating sugar. That, that's one of the things I'm just bringing it up. Because it's one of the things that comes up. I worked in a play in 2001. Yeah. That an unfortunate actress had to basically deep throat a Twinkie eight times a week for over a year. Oh, God. And our PR person actually got a sponsorship deal for in-kind products. Oh, really? So what does that mean specifically in-kind product? What does that mean? They would supply Twinkies. We didn't have to pay for the Twinkies. Oh, because they were like, you it was a pro- someone might go, go get a Twinkie after. In your parlance, product placement. Okay. Okay. And I think we yeah. would do other things where we might give away Twinkies at, from time to time. It was just like, yeah, it was a whole, but like the whole thing was like, she literally like, it was a teenage girl and she was sneaking in the kitchen. And she's literally like her mom was coming. So she dropped the whole Twinkie into her mouth at one time. Holy, what play is this? It's called Over the Tavern. Okay. It was a nice little family play that opened like right after 9-11 when people wanted to go see plays they could see with their family. So it was very, it was a successful play in Chicago. Is that what, was that a response to 9-11 that people wanted to go see plays with their family? They just wanted to do Things with their or families, family things, yeah, family things, and it was a good. It was about a it, based on the real experiences of a guy who grew up in pre-Vatican II, Catholic, yeah, and his dad ran the tavern and they lived above the tavern and questioning his faith, but also doing Ed Sullivan impressions. Yeah, it Damn. had ki- it had kids in it. It was a good thing. It was a moneymaker. Yeah, I that sounds fun. God, if Twinkie's got your back on it, then especially again, is that my dad loved it because he was raised Catholic pre-Vatican II, mm-hmm. and he can like the meat on Fridays, like when you take a bite of a hamburger and then you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to have this. I've already had one bite. Am I going to hell? Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, they had a Twinkie sponsorship. So that's my personal connection. Probably the last. I may have been so hungry at one point in time that I had one of those Twinkies. I don't know. God bless. There's nothing wrong with it. The thing is, obviously, there's no such thing as bad food. I would say that if I had to, if I, I do feel some things are not great. And I would say almost there's some things that are objectively like, okay, it's not a bad food and that you're a sinner for eating it, but it's objectively not good. And I think that as long as you're okay, like, okay, accepting that and not like secretly tr- tricking yourself into believing that Twinkies are healthy, fine. So it's always fine to have something like that. Why not? YOLO. Yeah. Yeah. YOLO. Just anything in moderation. Yeah. So April 6th is National Twinkie Day. 
Okay. April 6th. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll get ready for it. Maybe I'll re-release this episode then. You know, just... Oh, perfect. My intention with this episode was to have a fun and frivolous episode about a Chicago-related product. I remember the hostess Wonder Bread plant in Lincoln Park in a high-end neighborhood. There was a Wonder Bread plant. Yeah. But I had a few thoughts. First of all, summer of labor. What about it? We're having a summer of labor, and it's interesting to go back and look at labor unions. And I feel like labor unions are gaining some traction. Again, they're getting stronger. Yeah, for sure. And that's actually why I did the bonus with David. Yes. It's why it matters for all of us, especially as AI is coming out, because it's not just writers and actors who are going to be impacted by it. No, it's all industries for sure. Like once, yeah, once things that are like supposedly recession proof, like entertainment and stuff start to go down the toilet, like everything follows. Looking at the difference between having a powerful labor union and a really weak labor union. The Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA weren't taking an 8% pay cut. Yeah. Exactly. Wow, what a sordid history. Also, this year, we learned how the sausage is made at Fox News. Matt Gates introduced actual Chinese propaganda into congressional records. Marjorie Taylor Greene exists. And Elon (laughs) promises that self-driving cars are imminent. As Dr. Alan Dundies, the University of California, Berkeley professor said, people think it was a factor. Yeah, I know. It's been. Yeah, it's been an interesting year. Interesting. Last, honestly, last 10 years have been. They've been interesting. I have people argue with me over facts about like where Oprah lived. Yeah, it's really, yeah. What do you mean arguing like about Chicago? Being like, no, she lived there. And you're like, no, that's not the. So there's a famous building that people say Oprah lived in. Oprah never, ever lived there. I I won't get into, she tried to buy there, but they wouldn't give her multiple floors. So I'm like, oh, there's a lot of people who think Oprah lived there. Oprah never, ever lived there. And I had a woman be like, yes, she did. Literally interrupted me. Like, yes, she did. Yes, she did. She was my brother's brother's neighbor. And I'm like, no, she wasn't. Yeah. No, but it's true. You're right. You're right. Like it becomes this very, that's, no, it actually makes me nauseous a little because in some ways it feels harmless, but then in other ways it's just, oh my God. Yeah. That makes me scared a little. Just like well, the way that people are like that, because it can be harmless, but then the ramifications are like maybe dangerous versions of it. Or yeah, going back to what we talked about, like people not getting satire and thinking that's true. Yeah, and not being able to have just conversations about actual verifiable facts. It's just gotcha culture. It's I don't know if you saw that TikTok video that went around last week, but. It was this like Republican influencer 
And she's like a younger woman and she's conservatives. Actually, we know that we have all these codes that we do to signal to each other that we're conservatives and we have the same values. For example, we will we will listen to Joe Rogan. We will often wear T-shirts from similar brands and stuff like that. And everyone stitched the video. We're like, are you fucking stupid? We all know about this. These are not quiet, <laughs> subtle signals that you're doing. Like, we all know. They're also called dog whistles. Those, like, the things that you're describing as, like, these little secret codes. It's, are you for real? Or taking it a little darker. There's now a Twitter discourse on whether or not Jesus was Jewish or not. Isn't he Jewish? He is. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, there is a whole like, no, he wasn't. That's, have you, have you read the book? Yeah, that's like a pretty known thing. Probably was like seven when I first found that out, but it's pretty established. Yeah. I I remember. I feel like a lot of people are probably growing up in, in religions that, do not highlight that. And it's been going on for long enough that... The Last Supper was a Seder. Yeah, I know. But there's we're living in a time with religion in particular where it's these people are showing up stunted in a different way. And it's actually very, you know, it's very sad because, like, it's just caught up to them and, like, everyone else's information and they don't or they've chosen to misinterpret information and they're just missing... They bought into a yeah. They bought into something blind. Or Florida and what they're doing with education. And then I look at my niece who's eight, and she came home around Martin Luther King Day, and she was in second grade, and she's like, "I know who killed Martin Luther King." Yeah. And you're gonna have those two people in twenty years, like somebody who grew up in Florida who doesn't who thinks like slavery benefited people slavery did that's the thing that's that's the thing is that's they trying to weaken the dialogue around it a lot i've noticed too is like some slaves liked being slaves yeah that's the thing they're doing now yeah and you're gonna end up with someone who had a different edge they can't actually communicate because they learned different things yeah and people i was talking to my mom about what i don't know what she learned about the Native Americans versus what I learned versus what people are learning now. And it's being able to accept, oh, my, I was told that, but that might not be the whole story. Yeah, no, of course not. No. I was taught the whole, the pilgrims and the Native Americans all got a lot. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. It used to just be that if two people were at a fork in the road and are we going to be on the same page about this or what? Like people used to just typically go read a book or look it up or Mm -hmm. now we're just, no, I'm moving forward with my information and I don't want to even see yours because yours is an influence. And (laughs) And that, yeah. Yes. So do you have any final thoughts? I'd say, first of all, I really enjoy, like, learning about classic American brands like this. Like, I think that this is, like, a great kind of area for you on the show is because there is so much 
random stuff, so to speak. It's not just, yes, it's some of the corporate stuff behind Twinkie or whatever else, but it is, you're right, it's, it has such a heavy pop culture pres- presence and any company that's been around in America for this long is going to have just, God, I'd wonder what the best example of a perfect company would be. But yeah, this was really interesting. And I think overall, I was questioning this throughout. I will say I do think that Twinkies have been a net negative for the universe. 100%. Like, that's one of those things when people are talking about, oh, but we shouldn't have invented AI. Maybe we shouldn't have invented Twinkies. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> what about ism? But it is what it is. But yeah, tw- Twinkies, I enjoyed this. And Twinkies have their place, but not at my house. Well, thank you. There's a whole thing that I'm going to be doing. And this is more for the listeners than for you. But yeah, it's, it's a, I st- launched it a couple of weeks ago called Lighter Fair. And I realized that for, I don't know, the first 15 weeks of my podcast, it didn't Pretty dark content. Yeah. And I'm like, that's abusive. And I, I'm not committed to being abusive. <laughs> uh, so my friend John and I did hot dogs, mm-hmm. Italian beef, Chicago pizza, and Malort. So what I'll be doing is sprinkling in lighter fare, which will be a, 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 a title in and of itself. Yes. Like a little treat. I like to do palate cleanser tape yeah. material myself. Because, yeah. yeah, I think that it's it's important to keep a variety. And also there's some people who might be who might come in the front door just because they want to learn about this specific regional food. But and then realize, oh, there's all this other stuff. So I like that much like a tour you would give in real life. There's highs and lows. And there's a lot of Chicago products and there's a whole collection at the history museum of things that i could talk about for products about chicago branding like almost the same way i think about like when i think of the city i think of industries and like products that have come out of it and iconography and stuff like almost think about products more than i think about oh this is what they were like known for we're like like a historical event or something like i'll often think of yeah hot dogs and baseball and beer and that's how i what comes to mind when I think of Chicago in some ways. Think a German immigrant. They brought beer and hot dogs. You have that. But yeah, no. So that's two really historical, devastating loss of life events. So I'm like, we're going to do Twinkies now. Yeah. Let's just sprinkle in some Twinkies. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'll come anytime you're doing a deep dive on a brand. I love that. Excellent. And it took me a little bit to figure out the format of what was going on here, but I enjoyed that we went through like beat by beat, like things you should know about Twinkies. Right. It was a, it was an interesting one to write because it does spray all fields and where I thought I would do it as more, this is how the sausage is made in my podcasting brain. I do everything in a five paragraph outline. Uh Uh-huh. So it's, I'm going to talk about this and then I'm going to talk about that as opposed, it's not because it's it's not a linear story. Yeah, I was expecting, that's why I was like (laughs) having some trouble tracking at first because I, last time I came on, it was a linear story. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I realized like, oh, like we're doing Twinkie facts. Note to self, tell host if it's not (laughs) a linear story. 
that I actually thought about writing that in and then I just didn't and or no it's fine I had but once I realized what was going on I was like oh this is great but it, for a while I was like are we coming back to the boss's raises like <laughs> I was curious about that oh no, but... no I'm because there was nothing more written I'll put it in the show notes but like literally that story disappeared yeah no, that's really, it's really interesting. This company's out of crazy history. Now, to, you that's the thing that I think is great about it. You can't assume that any brand has been drama free, but it's, we almost lost Twinkie a few times down the well, road. I remember when, because 2012, Facebook was huge. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Twinkie announced they were closing and the response was insane. But that's like fair weather fan stuff, too, where it's, yeah, you had Twinkies when you were a kid, but you're not a customer anymore. You're responsible for it not being around anymore. And a lot of people like clearly went out and bought Twinkies to keep them like it was a fine wine. Mm hmm. Yeah. I remember when Twinkies announced and then they're like, it's coming back. And you're know, like, it makes no difference. Like people aren't. I don't think there are more people buying Twinkies. May they may have seen some COVID nostalgia. Yeah. I read that. Like, they saw... That was just people being really bored. I think that's definitely what it was. There was, like, a thing with... Definitely with revisiting comfort foods. And there will always be moments with something like Twinkie. That's why TikTok is so great for businesses. I really do think that TikTok is just, like, a major driver of income. It's, like, crazy. But if there was like some sort of challenge briefly on TikTok, and that's a bajillion boxes of Twinkies sold right there. We could start the deep throat of Twinkie challenge. Oh, God. I am like, <laughs> I'm like my poor stomach is I'm not doing it right now. But yeah, I that is one good thing is I never have to make an excuse to eat a Twinkie again. Now I'm just like, oh, I'm allergic. Yeah. All right. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button before a Twinkie expires resting in a dollar store end cap. Leave a five-star review. Also, tell everyone you know about Oma Lord. Tune in next week. I'm actually not sure what the episode will cover, but I promise it will be good. It always is. 